0: This is Tala with Drive Through Therapy. Thank you guys so much for joining me tonight on another episode. I am so grateful for your support and your emails. Keep sending them. If you have any feedback you want to give me or you would like to tell me about your journey or any suggestions you might have, please let me know at T-A-L-A-I-B-R-A-8888 at gmail.com. And usually I respond pretty promptly. I mean, Yeah. do hold on let me take a sip of my topo chico i can feel my voice uh, a little more raspy than usual all right all right so tonight is pretty interesting because tomorrow morning i will be taking my son on his first day of school it's pretty exciting um I'm seeing it as an exciting opportunity here to have my son experience something new and also me experiencing something new and a milestone. I think that's pretty cool to experience in our human world, which is the first day of school or taking your child to the first day of school. I'm grateful that I get to see that on his face, even though he's not very interested in school yet. But uh, that's not what I'm hearing from other people. I'm hearing a lot of distress regarding what's going to happen in the schools because we have had brought down the restrictions um, or precautions that we needed for safety when it comes to the coronavirus. And that's been putting some people under stress and completely understandable, completely understandable. You know, we can only do what we can do. The rest we have to, um, I guess, surrender control of what we cannot control. For the past few weeks, I've been hitting the theme of avoidance, emotional avoidance with people, and this is basically a major contributor to almost every disorder, especially the common colds of anxiety and depression. Emotional avoidance is really pretty damn important, and um, before I begin to talk about that, I want to tell you a little bit about the brain and how it works in this area. Your brain, my brain, has what is called a negativity bias. And what that is basically is that it holds on to information to protect ourselves. We hold on to information that is negative a lot quicker and for longer duration than maybe positive or neutral information. So for example, if I have been hurt by fire, I know that next time if I were to touch fire, I probably want to stay away or avoid touching it because I know it hurts. It's painful. Also, this can uh, develop into avoiding other things that are painful, such as, I don't know, leaving the home to become more autonomous or independent because we, uh, we avoid the idea of experiencing independence. We may perceive it as limiting or scary or something, you know, very common example would be heartbreak. When we experience heartbreak, which is really painful, we will also start uh, avoiding, for example, getting intimate in relationships. We might be just be superficial, or move from one relationship to an, to another, or even have backups for a relationship. So I'm talking to multiple people at the same time, just so I can I can avoid investing in one person because of the fear of the pain that that might cause if I emotionally invest in one person. So we avoid in all sorts of funky ways. Really, really uh, important for me to tell everybody about avoidance because if you were to think of anxiety, it's all all built in in the criteria that avoidance is that like the, the main thing that people do. Uh, we avoid ourselves on the inside emotionally. We have, we avoid reflecting or becoming self aware. So when it feels negative to us, we tend to avoid. Now, that makes sense, let's say, in situations where there's fire going on, there is a a shooter coming at me, please run. I want to avoid that shooter. A confrontation that may not necessarily result in a positive outcome or could result in an extreme outcome. I might want to avoid that. I mean, there's some things that you want to use your negativity bias in. But unfortunately, your brain, if it's not checked, will start being trained, unfortunately, to avoid anything that does not feel good. if it fe- And it could be in the range if it doesn't feel good, like it could be in any range of emotion that you might perceive as negative. For example, change, something that's uh, about to change or unexpected, you can automatically go into avoidance, right? Uh, let's see, what else? Disappointment. Fear of rejection, maybe I won't even, av- I will avoid applying to to jobs uh, because I'm afraid that I'll be rejected or judged. We can also avoid social interaction, uh, building friendships because we are also afraid of what other people might think and feel about us. And so we can't control that. So, of course, it's too much for our brain. We avoid social interaction. We avoid engaging with others. Sometimes we can even avoid going to Walmart because I am, in my head, the most important person in the world, and everybody's going to judge me when I walk in there. And I, and I, I would get, you know, start getting anxious, and I, and, uh, and that's, and I, I don't like it. I don't want to go to Walmart. And we'll start avoiding people, places, and things. Now, what, what, why this is a problem is like, okay, the brain, has a negativity bias, and it generalizes at this point, which is not good for us. It generalizes basically all negative feelings as something to be avoided, at which point you have what we now know as anxiety. A person who's self-aware, one would say, would not experience much anxiety because they're able to go within, uh, confront their own emotions about things, even if it doesn't feel good. If emotional avoidance is something that is kind of something that has to be looked at, and we have to start differentiating. If we continue to avoid, avoid, avoid everything that feels negative, basically we're going to corner ourselves into a little prison. And if you ever speak to anybody who's anxious, they get into significant amount of control where uh, I can't leave without having somebody with me or my kids have to be back at a certain time even though they're like in their 20s because I am too anxious and I can't. So I'll basically start controlling people around me uh because i have this thing called anxiety and people have to obey it you know and it's all like a really nasty thing it just turns into a really it's it, into a burden is the best way to say that i uh, if i think about in my clinical practice is it's unbelievable how many people avoid and as a therapist i want to walk people into their feelings to feel feelings and start sitting in them. For a person that's been avoiding for a long time, we avoid the pain or suffering, or we have funny ways of doing that, of course. What ends up happening is that we also suffer from emotional immaturity. And I have to say it like that because I can say it in a different way. For example, emotional underdevelopment right? Uh, The same thing. And I don't mean that as, uh, let's say, a a way to offend anybody. No, I could recall that within myself as well. So it's not, I'm not exempt from the bunch. I am the bunch, as I always say. So learning to confront our emotions, sitting in them is really what we need to start getting to do. So this way, Like Carl Jung beautifully says, he says something along the lines of, we don't solve problems, we outgrow them. And I love, 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 love that. I love that. Just It just says that I don't have to control shit out here in the external world to solve what I perceive as a problem. I just need to outgrow them. So I need to develop the skills on the inside to sit through them and ride through them. So the only way out is through, Okay. The only way out is through. People who emotionally avoid also risk the obsessive type of thinking. We continue to play out different scenarios in our mind before we take any decision that we need to take. Individuals like this also have difficulty with taking risks which is pretty important in our life. We need to go into the unknown, people. We can't get just stay in, in what we already know. Everything that's fresh, new, adventurous requires a little risk into the unknown. We cannot know the outcome. But unfortunately, we can get emotionally stuck circling in little circles, or even big circles in our brain, in our mind, uh, about different scenarios and outcomes that are always going to usually work out <laughs> in a painful way in our mind in our mind. Uh so it'll keep us assuming that the outcome is going to be negative, it feels negative because I don't know it and I teach my brain to continue even avoiding taking any decision that we need to take. This is also a way where we don't confront we refuse to make decisions uh we kind of leave things as they are. I often hear that with you know people that are in really toxic relationships stay the heck in there because all they're telling themselves is, yes, it's suffering and it feels bad but to to them the the unknown of what it would look like without this person in their life, without this toxic person in their life they the unknown is is so painful to them, right, has become so painful that they are not willing to take the risk and leave. Even with the obvious threats and danger that they are experiencing in the relationship, what's even more painful is them being without the relationship and going into the unknown. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what a prison to live in that would be? It's unbelievable that we do that, but that's why we stay in toxic relationships. If you ever wondered, that's really the main reason. The unknown is is a risk. Whatever we develop in our mind, I guess it's negative. So if it's negative or the outcome is negative, then it must be avoided. And we just continue to avoid solving problems. And this eventually results in the in a self-resentment, a grudge that we hold on ourselves because we know deep down inside that I just was too afraid to confront my own feelings about things. And it's not necessarily confronting the person. We get to that real quick. We confront people all the time, wanting them to change, change, change. And while we're busy doing that, which is a lot of distractions, we avoid looking within we avoid seeing what we need to see about ourselves, and asking ourselves the most important question: Why are we in this relationship if it has continuously demonstrated to us that it is not healthy? For example, so I think by this time you're realizing that if anybody is in a really shitty situation, uh have has just sitting in there suffering. Basically, it means that they're not confronting their suffering. They're not confronting their discomfort and looking at it, labeling the emotion, whatever it may be that they're feeling. And it's really something as simple as that. Most people don't even know how to label their own emotions or at this moment. A lot of times I have to walk them through it. What, what kind of emotion is that? Is it disappointment? Is it jealousy? Is it a fear? Is it rejection? Is it being tired, being hungry. I have to actually help them through labeling simple emotions because we've learned to avoid for so damn long when I ask somebody how they're feeling, they only know happy or sad, but we don't know the the plethora of different emotions that are in between happy and sad. So we end up just responding in extremes, which is like fight or flight when we're just labeling extreme emotions. So we need to learn to label all the stuff that's in between. The human emotions that we're allowed to have in our human life. Disappointment, rejection, fear, heartbreak, guilt, shame, contentment, satisfaction, hesitation, sleepy, tired, all the different types of emotions that we have. We need to really get better at labeling them for ourselves. And when we do that, then we start to confront our emotions and sit in them and do the problem solving. And the problem solving would be, in this case, how Carl Jung says, it would be outgrowing whatever the problem is. So for example, if I have difficulty with interacting with people, I'm afraid to go to social activities or even meet with my family, and I've been avoiding that for so long, guess what I'm going to have to do? I'm going to have to go sit in my discomfort in those situations and learn how to Listen to my own feelings and my assumptions and the stories I'm telling in my head about these things and start taking responsibility for how I feel and stop blaming situations or things outside of me for how I feel. Because if I continue to do that, I'm basically not taking responsibility for how I feel, at which point I'm never thinking I'm the solution for my own problems, which leaves me with my hands tied. You know, I can't, I feel like I'm helpless and I can't do anything. And helplessness, like I've said before, is one of the primary criteria for, you know, the common cold disorders of depression and anxiety. And even most people will avoid talking about feelings and labeling their own feelings by saying, I just had anxiety. I just had anxiety. I was depressed. And they kind of just sit in there and I'm like, well, what would you do with that? Well, I just laid down. I avoided, avoided, avoided. Um, avoided life. I checked out of life, basically. And so one can even make a, an educated assumption at this point that when people avoid, it is to avoid living life, to avoid confronting living. So I can blame anxiety for not being able to drive my kid to soccer practice because there's a lot of people there i can avoid living life you know take a look at the suffering in your own life label the emotions properly take a look at it ask yourself what skills do i need to outgrow this problem so but the skills cannot be developed by avoidance that's why they become underdeveloped or immature we we don't we don't develop confronting our own emotions and learning to live with them and go through them by avoiding we have to actually sit in them go through it feel the discomfort and get ourselves out we're not meant to sit in suffering for a lifetime we're not meant to do that but we're meant to use suffering suffering is part of our life we're meant to use suffering because suffering somehow forces us out into a resolution of some kind so we're not meant to sit in suffering we need to look at suffering as a warning sign to look at our life what's what's happening right now what am i not confronting or making decisions about that i need to make decisions about so this suffering could transform right so it forces us into making decisions and confronting our emotions and this is how we outgrow certain feelings right we don't just sit there and respond on them for days So when I feel disappointment, yeah, I feel disappointment, but it doesn't mean that I avoid going back to school. If I fail a class, I drop out completely. I refuse to apply for jobs because I'm so afraid because I was rejected for the last three, four jobs I applied for. You know, I don't just want to stop and quit. We want to make sure that we keep moving forward, but the way to do that is through it. I can't, Repeat that enough or stress that enough. I think there's a lot of shortcuts that we take today when things get uncomfortable. We complain, complain, complain about discomforts rather than looking at it and really befriending that discomfort, sitting with it, holding its hand, listening to it, being available to it. And then from that place, we get to resolve it. We get to see what emotional skills do I need right now to help me through it, whether it's self affirmations or to sit in the discomfort and engage in self talk that's more compassionate and kind to myself while I'm shopping at Walmart, even though I really want to avoid, you know, instead of saying, all the stuff that I say to heighten my feelings while I'm in Walmart, which results in anxiety, right? And panic attacks. I just need to engage with myself, recognize that I'm feeling distressed because of my self-talk about the world around me, bringing it down to size, you know, really, really acknowledging my thoughts at that point and how I feel and still going through the shopping, but buying everything on my grocery list and then leaving the store. I need to do this several more times until I'm able to outgrow this intense feeling. And the reason why it's still intense is because again, I'm not confronting it enough. I'm not looking at it, I'm not sitting in it you confront an intense feeling enough i promise you it is it's not going to be intense anymore it's just going to it's going to mellow down you're going to know what it is it's not going to shock you anymore about you but the more you avoid any intense feeling which i think is what what's happening these days that's what becomes a problem it it never gets resolved and every time it comes up it's intense and you just keep pushing it back repressing it avoiding running avoiding 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 distracting 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 Doing everything except of confronting the self and listening to yourself and working with yourself. Yeah, uh, we don't want to avoid emotions. We want to, we want to use them. We want to integrate them in our life. I think right now we have this conditioning going on in our society that anything that feels negative, it shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be there. And that's false. That's um, a very underdeveloped thought process because guess what? <laughs> all the emotions that we have as a human being are there and they should be there. We should be feeling them. We are living a physical human life as a conscious being and I'm going to feel stress. I'm going to feel disappointment. I'm going to feel pain. I can't avoid all that. I can't live myself, my life avoiding all that. I'll be in a corner doing absolutely nothing, taking no risks, and now that's even worse. That's even worse than death for many people because it's a slow death. Being in a corner, not doing anything, avoiding life. Oh, man. Oh, man. That's... That's what anxiety is. That's what panic attacks are. That's what depression is. It's just I'm not involved in my own life, in my own thought process. I'm not taking responsibility for how I feel. I've, I've avoided that. Let's just be real. No medication can fix that shit. It's only you. Only you can actually go in there and do the work. You are the source of your own relief. And once you get that, once you have a solid grasp on that, then you work towards it. And it gets better and better and better. And the change, friends, is not like a chemical change that is short-term, you know, like a antidepressant, right? It's not numbing anything. It is simply a change for a lifetime. It is a change for a lifetime. No medication can claim that, friends, none. But doing the work, you can claim that. You can claim that because you'll be able to change how you respond to those feelings. And the more you confront them, The less stressful they'll become, then disappointment is just disappointment. It's not the end of the world. Heartbreak is heartbreak and you're allowed to feel it. Cry the hell to sleep. Yes. Yes. You're allowed to feel it. We're not, we're never going to say I shouldn't be feeling stuff. Oh, no. Well, then if you shouldn't be feeling heartbreak, then you'll never take a risk in love. And that would be a sad life to live. That would be sad. No first kisses, no cuddles, no laughing with another person. Oh, no. Oh no, we, we don't want to miss out on all that good stuff. So start confronting, stop avoiding. We need to teach the brain that although we have a negativity bias, we, we definitely can learn to discriminate, um, instead of generalize all negative feelings as feelings that I shouldn't have and I need to avoid. Oh no, 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 no. We don't need to do all that. We don't need to do all that. Yeah. That's all I got for tonight. I hope this was helpful. I deal quite a bit with anxiety and depression as, like I said before, as it's very common diagnosis that we have in the, in the clinic. And so these are important secrets everybody needs to know. And we just need to mature into our emotions. And the fact that they're so intense, they're just feelings, but the fact that they're so intense just means that we're not confronting them enough. And that every time we experience them, we don't go fully through them, so we might distract. And we could distract with anything, sex, relationships, Facebook, alcohol, drugs, anything. forms Any form of distraction to distract me from having to go through the feeling and sit in it and get out of it. And the more I work that process of sitting in it and resolving and getting out of it, the better it gets. The less intense the next time I, I feel it. I, next time I feel disappointment or even feel the heartbreak, the less intense it becomes, I promise. It's not me. That's, that's how your body and your brain works. Yeah. Thank you for joining me tonight. I'm sending you love and light. And remember, if it gets too hot in that kitchen, stay in there and turn off the stove. This has been an episode of drive through